We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ryan B. has a comment here, Sean. He says, uh, Notre Dame finishes top 10 with the following, Bama, Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, Florida State, LSU, USC, Texas, and Oklahoma. I am not on the Texas train. I would also be a I'm, – I'm not on the Oklahoma train either. That's, I'm sorry. That's what I meant, Oklahoma. Yeah. I could see Texas being the top 10 team this year. It won't be easy, but I could see Texas being a top 10 team this year. Oklahoma, absolutely not. Georgia, yes. Bama, yes. Ohio State, yes. Michigan, probably because their schedule's soft. I mean, they could go 10 and 2 and still be top 10. They could lose to Penn State and Ohio State and still be top 10 because they're going to be over. They're going to be hyped up coming the season. Hold on now. They take a trip down to Champagne this year, too. Now. Well, I hope you're right. And, and, and Illinois almost beat them this year, right? They take a trip to Champagne this year. Speaking of blown uh, calls, you know, oh, reviews, uh, Sean. Don't get so, me started. Michigan probably Florida State. I'm I'm on that train. I'm on the Florida State train. LSU is an interesting one because uh, I here's 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 my thing about LSU for this year, Sean. I think LSU is going to have a hard time being top ten, and also having Alabama, Georgia, and Florida State being top ten because LSU plays two of those teams. Yeah. They have to play Georgia, um, excuse me, Flor- uh, Bama and Florida State. And, and you know, I think the thing for LSU is, Sean, I could see LSU actually being a better team this year and not having their record reflected. Not having their record reflected, yeah. I can see like, that. Like, and we've seen this before, right? Like I've said this, the 10-3 and Notre Dame team from 2017 was significantly better team than the 12-1 and team or 11-2 yeah. and team from uh, 19 or 21 significantly better but one year they played like one or two ranked teams and another year they played eight yeah 17 they played eight and when i look at lsu next year i think they're going to be a better team i do but they play florida state in florida so it'll be it'll be in orlando they play at mississippi state at ole miss at missouri who i think could be okay at alabama and then they have home games against texas a&m florida i think auburn's going to be better and and then Arkansas, who I think is going to be a little bit better. So I could see them 
not being as good next year, not winning the West. I don't think they're going to win the West next year. I think Alabama will, but still be a better team that's trending in the right direction, if that makes sense. Yeah, so, it does. I think I think LSU is going to lose three games next year in the regular season, and I think that keeps them outside the top ten. But I think if you're an LSU fan who's willing to look beyond the record, I think you'll be able to say, like, look, yeah, the record wasn't great, but as long here, here's what Brian Kelly has to do beyond the record. If they lose to Florida State on a neutral field in Florida, if they lose to Alabama on the road, and let's say lose to at Ole Miss, let's say that. That's three really good football teams next year, Sean. Yeah. All away from home, as long as they're competitive. I think that's the the bit of the black eye that I see for LSU this year is their losses weren't close. They got their butts whooped in every loss they had. And even the Florida State game ended up being close at the end. But that's more because Florida State did things that let you back in the game, mm-hmm. right? Like yeah. fumbling the ball to one yard line, stuff like that. They, if they, as long as they're more competitive, they go nine and three, and then make it to a bowl game, and they win the bowl game, go ten and three. I can say you're, you're you're going in the right direction here. Honestly, what Arkansas fumbled the game away at the end. They had a chance, well, and, and they had their like third and fourth string quarterback in the game yeah, at that point yeah. in time, right? So, I mean, LSU was not a really good football team this year. They were not as good as their their, their ten wins. No, you were not. You lost to Texas A and M. You got you smacked by Tennessee. You got yeah, okay, yeah, you beat Bama. Well, so what? Right, Texas A&M beat Bama the year before. They still weren't good. Yeah, I actually think they could have a similar record this year and be a much better football team because I think their schedule this year is very tough. LSU to me is one of the toughest schedules in college football this year. I, I mean, look, Florida State on the neutral field at Ole Miss, at Alabama, home against Florida, home against A&M. A&M is going to be better this year than they were last year. Home against Auburn, they're going to be better this year. I'm sorry, Gus Malzahn's a much better football coach than what Brian Harson was much better fit at <laughs> Auburn and they're going to have better. Yeah. They're, they're still going to have good players uh, at Mississippi state. Who's going to be a, a, a different team this year. They're not going to be the air. They're going to be more defensive oriented with the new head coach and all that. So I, it's going to be a very tough schedule for them this year. Very tough schedule. So I could actually see them being a better team, Sean, and not necessarily having the record reflect it a, a lot. And if they go 10 to 2 this year, that's a pretty darn good year as long as their losses are close. Like if they lose to Florida State in, in Orlando and they go on the road and lose to Bama and Tuscaloosa, yeah. as long as those are close games, if they go 10 to 2 the rest of the way, that's a heck of a year for them, in my opinion. I just don't know if LSU fans will see it that way. Well, unless Brian Kelly's already been able to successfully yeah. uh, then, successfully convince them to lower the standards like he did at Notre Dame. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. 
That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. As much as we want to just kind of t- cast them to the side, Clemson is going to have a say in this. Yeah. I mean, they play Florida State. They're, they're going to have to say in this top 10. Yeah. Right? Clemson, if they win, they lost to South Carolina. If they beat South Carolina, Clemson is looking at an outside chance of making it into yeah. well, the CFP. He, and a lot of it's about schedule. I think I could argue – I could make a case to you this year that Clemson – LSU will be a a more talented team than Clemson this year across the board. Mm-hmm. And still say Clemson will have the better record. It's because of the schedule. And, and I look at Clemson's schedule, Sean, at Duke in the opener, then Charleston Southern at home, Florida Atlantic at home, Florida State at home. So again, Clemson gets Florida State at home. LSU has to get on the on a plane and fly to Orlando and play them in front of a, a more pro Florida State crowd. Mm-hmm. Right? They've got to play, they get Notre Dame at home, they get Wake Forest at home. They get North Carolina at home, and then they have road games against Syracuse, Miami, NC State, and South Carolina. So it's a good schedule for Clemson, but it's not as tough as the as the LSU schedule. And to your point, Sean, the two best teams that they play next year, they get at home. And that matters. That's one of the reasons I like Notre Dame being taking a jump this year. Part of it is other things, but part of it is last year, two of your three best teams you played, you played it on the road. This year, two yeah. of the three best teams you play, you play at home. And that that matters to me. It does. It does. So I, I could see that. I could see that. I could see I, – I, to me, the thing for LSU is going to be they got to get better on defense. They got to get a lot better on defense. A lot better on defense. But I think their offense is going to score a lot of points this year. I do. I do. Yeah. Have you seen this thing? Who Some national guy – or no, some LSU report, uh, radio guy was talking about how they they had this thing on. They had some some national outlet had something about um, you know quarter, top quarterback battles, and he was like, "Why is an LSU on there?" And I'm like, "Our L- and I'm going to ask Frank McCatry this, who's a our LSU fan in here. I think there's another oh, between uh, our LSU yeah, our LSU fans actually thinking that Jaden Daniels shouldn't be the starter this year. I'm not because like sometimes you know personalities on TV or shows they'll say things to get attention to get clicks and get discussion going. You know, it's not necessarily the most recent thing. Or is there a conversation that Jaden Daniels shouldn't be the starting quarterback this year? That seems a little nuts to me. Like, oh, Nussmeier, look at it against George. I beware of jumping on the hype train of a backup quarterback that comes into a game that where there's no pressure on him at all. And I like Nussmeier. Don't don't get it twisted. I like the kid, but hit the circumstance he stepped into against Georgia, where the game was already oh, over, yeah, is way different than what Jaden Daniels walked into. And here's the thing. LSU's offense was moving the ball in the first half of that game. They shot themselves in the foot and gave up that special teams touchdown, but it's not like the offense wasn't moving the ball that game. They were moving mm-hmm. the ball in the first half. Yeah. They just made mistakes. But they couldn't get the ball in the end zone. 
So I, I, that surprised me a little bit. So I, I'm curious if that's actually a thing or if that's just somebody trying to say something to stir up the masses and get clicks and all that other kind of stuff. Yeah, I can't wait till we get into the spring and start talking about our sleepers because you already know it's going to be one or two sleepers. Oh, yeah. Teams that come out of nowhere, a la TCU. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. And who like Michigan in 2021? Who saw that coming? Because Michigan was a uh, joke in 2020. They quit yeah. on their season. I mean, I don't care yeah. what anybody says. They did not play Ohio State in my opinion. <clears> COVID. <throat> they they did not play Ohio State because they didn't want to get boat raced by Ohio State. That they, that team had packed it in at that point in time. That's that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. So, all right, let's get to some more questions here, Sean from Antoine Johnson. Speaking of Michigan, uh, Brian, college football is moving to more games. It's imperative that you have more depth. Do you think it's possible to have two O lines? My team has a chance to do this. The advantage you can have is crazy. So, are you talking about Antoine? Are you talking about kind of like having like a um, sort of like a hockey type of like shift where you bring in a, a second offensive line? At that point in time, I, I I think that I'm curious what you mean by that, but I I do think that depth is imperative without more games, Sean. Because the reality is, he is talking about that, Sean. The reality is, is just the pace of play, the number of plays being run has gone way up. I don't dispute that. I just don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. I do think, in fact, you need to have depth. I, you know, I honestly would not be opposed to having expanding the scholarship limits a little bit. I wouldn't be necessarily opposed to moving it to 90 to be completely honest with you. And uh, you know, there's a lot of things that could help with that in regard to the transfer portal. You don't have to necessarily go back into the transfer portal to, you know, to, to, you know, you, you've got a little deeper roster to choose from. I think there's how some things about, like that. How about you do it from a recruiting standpoint, you do it similar to the luxury tax. In regard to what? In regards to, okay, if you get to your 90 via recruiting, fine. But if you're adding via the transfer portal. So incentivize. It's, it's, it's a luxury tax on that transfer portal to so incentivize in, incen- more okay. recruiting. Yeah. So incentivize having more high school kids in your roster. Yeah. So you can only have X number of transfers on your roster. Yeah. And so you can have 90, but you can't go beyond X number for transfers. Yeah. Let's say it's five or seven mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, scholarship transfers, yeah, I should cause say. This, cause transfers are hurting the high school kids. Yes. In my opinion. So now, you know, yeah, if you increase, you want to make sure that coaches aren't using that to go even crazier in the transfer right. portal. It's a good point. You know, it's a great I mean? point, Sean. Yeah, it's so a great it's like, point. Oh, let's protect these high school kids. Because to your point, you're, you're saying most likely colleges are going to just go out and get even more transfers. Yeah, which I think you're correct on. And and yeah, I agree with that. I like that. I like that caveat, Sean. Like you know, putting a cat treating the transfer portal almost like the international market. You can only spend X number of dollars oh, so on, the, on the international market, right? Yeah. Yeah. And 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 so the other thing I like about it is that is incentivizing more high school kids, but making the punishment for tampering with college kids even harsher, mm. you know, where you're you're going to lose scholarships. You're going to lose your right to bring in a transfer. If you get caught tampering and I don't care if it's you or someone associated with you or some booster that you that you have nothing to do with. I don't care if anyone from that represents you officially yeah. or unofficially tampers with a kid. 
you lose portal privileges for the next three years. Yeah. And you're not, you can't get to 90 on your scholarships then. Like if, if they did the proposal, you're not talking about maybe jumping up, you know, that Tommy Gunn's had an interesting point. He's going to make a transfer count for two scholarships. That's kind of along the lines of, so you can either do that. I kind of like the idea of just capping the number of transfers mm-hmm. that you can have per year. Now, if you want to have 20 transfers on your team because you bring in five a year and they're all young players and they all stay or whatever, I'm fine with that. But cap the number you can bring in per year. So you can't just keep doing what USC is doing, which is basically turning over your entire roster year after year with the transfer portal. Right. So this this is where you get into the luxury tax. If you do that for more than two years, right, now we start taxing you on scholarships. Right, you can do it. Right, you can you can put together this all-star roster for Golden State for five straight years, but the amount of money you have to pay to keep that roster in luxury tax—that's on you. If you're willing to pay it, fine. So if, you know, if a school is willing to sacrifice two scholarships to be able to continuously go and get veteran players in the transfer portal, yeah. Here's here's one for you, Sean. How about this? Because one thought I, I think of is too is I do like the option of I would make caveats for first year coaches. Mm. That first year we will let you go beyond that number. Okay. Right. Because I I mean I do like the idea of if a coach takes over a new job, he to set his roster and his program. Yeah. Because yeah. he may like like okay we'll use Brian Kelly's example. If you would have capped the number of transfers at five for Brian Kelly. He can't. He can't put a Division One football roster on the field. Mm-hmm. They just they didn't have enough guys. Right. He had to go high on the number. Now he also brought in a lot of high school kids, but he had to. He's not like Brian Kelly's not doing what Lincoln Riley's doing, which is just Lincoln Riley brings in a few high school kids here and there. It's transfer, 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 transfer. Right. Right. Brian Kelly inherited a roster where, like, this is like uh, one of the thing that LSU fans most got in their feelings about was the comment I made where Brian Kelly is inheriting a dumpster fire. I got they got in their feelings about that. And I'm like, well, and and then they would make the case of how great of a job he did. Well, when he got here, they only had 30-some players. So a, you're saying he inherited fire. a dumpster fire. Yes. Like, do you see the incoherence in your arguments? Yeah. Right? And so he inherited a dumpster fire. If he doesn't have access to the portal to bring in a volume of guys, he can't put it. Now you're penalizing him and his staff. Yeah. For the sins of the previous coaching staff, I don't think that's yeah. fair either. So, I would I would make caveats for first year coaches, and I would also maybe say hit a two year number. Yeah. Over the course of two years, you can't be go X number. So if you go eight one year, you can only go to the next. Mm-hmm. Maybe something like that too would would be because the other thing is you've also here's where it gets tricky. You also know situations where what if a coach has an abnormally number of high number of losses from the portal. So that'd be the other thing is there'd have to be some kind of build in that if you lose X number of transfers out of your program Mm -hmm. for every two, you lose, you can get one additional transfer beyond your number. Yeah. Something like that. You know what I mean? Beyond your five or whatever the cap would be. That'd be a very interesting, very interesting show. Or you can just allow to have a certain percentage of their roster be transfers. With the exemptions, with the exemptions, but if you have like 
Alabama, Georgia. Like, dude, you wait yeah. a minute. Now, look, you're getting the best in recruiting, and you're going and poaching guys yeah. off lower teams' rosters. That that's what I hate. Here's my only concern more. with that is if you're like Lincoln Riley, he brought in a lot of one-year guys. Mm-hmm. You could bring 10, 11, 12 one-year guys in. They all leave, and then you can do it again next year because you're under the overall percentage on your roster. And so that's – you know what I mean? Like if he's bringing in 12, 15 one-year guys a year and you can only have, say, 15 – well, and the next year he loses five, ten of those guys. Then he can yeah. still bring in ten next year, and he's still doing the volume transfer thing. For me, it's all about finding a way to protect these high school kids. Yeah, in, the, in this right. market, that's what I'm saying. Cap it on a number per year. The ones that are being hurt, right? Yeah, cap it yeah. on a number per year, or a number over a two year span. So you know, again, you, you hey, we'll give you that freedom that one year where you had a lot of departures to go out there and go higher, but just know you're sacrificing what you can do in the portal next year. Yeah. Which is fine because now, see, that is a strategy that coaches, hey, look, we're going to go out and get eight portal kids this year because we have a lot of needs. But it also means so now we can start putting more of our emphasis on the junior high school class because we know that the next year's recruiting class, we can only bring in two transfers. So next year is going to be a much heavier high school year for our class. So I think that's where I like that notion of the two-year cap as opposed to the number because, as you know, Sean, you know teams are going to learn to game the system if they can have – X number percentage of your roster of your 85 man roster. Cause then they'll just focus. Okay. We're just gonna bring in guys that are just one year guys. Mm-hmm. And then I can just keep doing this over and over and over and over again. Uh, Foskey just ran a four, six, four, according to Ryan, he had a 34 inch uh, vertical, uh, had 34 inch arms, ran a 10, had a 10, five broad, just ran a four, six, four. So that's, that's good. That's not light the world on fire. Oh my gosh. We gotta look at him now, but that, that's four six four for a six five two hundred sixty four pound guy is pretty pretty darn good, pretty darn good. Yeah. So that's what Ryan just texted me for his first rep. So uh, good good stuff there, Antoine. But it's to, back to Antoine's point though, Sean is I think things like that are needed for depth, and that's where the transfer portal it can be really challenging because it doesn't allow you to have the same level of depth at times, especially at the big boy positions. Because now you're in situations where your depth is all young kids that aren't ready to play. Yeah. So yeah, here's another thing I'd like to do, Sean, is I would like to, to, to make some, I would like to, if you're going to do all these things to, I wouldn't mind seeing kids have five years to play. Like five seasons you can actually play. Play. Okay. Or extend the red shirt to even more games. If you're going to be playing 17 games a year, Make the red shirt, you have to play less half or less than half of your regular season games. So give them six games to play. And now there gives more leeway to use some of your younger players in certain games to help with your depth problems. Like Notre Dame would have had no problem playing Steve Angeli a couple more times at the end of games late in the year last year if they knew they could play him in six regular season games. Yeah. And then also remove the bowl games from the from the if you've played four regular season games and your freshman plays or a kid plays in the bowl game, it does not count towards his games played for the red shirt. Those are two things I like to do as well. If you're talking about like helping with depth and needing more players, give coaches <clears throat> the options of playing more guys without burning years of eligibility. Yeah. So there's two ways you can do that is number one, allow guys to play five years. Yeah. And you know, and I'm not talking about five years like, oh, they can play five years. Red shirt. No, no, no. Actually play five years. 
Yeah. Or add more games onto the red shirt season, which I would lean more towards the red shirt. Honestly, Sean is, you know, give them half. Yeah. Two more whole games may, might be the way to go. Cause like, if you, if you could play your freshman in half your games, like if you're Notre Dame, right? Like you could say, okay, well we, we know we're going to play our best of our best against Ohio state Clemson and uh, USC. We're probably gonna need to play the best of our best on the road against NC state. Cause number one, you can't travel as many kids. Yeah, it's a road game. So you can say, hey, look, these six games for sure, we plan on incorporating some of our younger guys that we plan to a red shirt. And now they can play more. They can use them more. Yeah. And and that's where they can help with that. Because hey, now it's like, okay, against Tennessee State, I'm not going to have J.D. Bertrand and Jordan Patejo running down on kickoff against Tennessee State. Right? Now, they be my, they may be starters on my special teams against Ohio State and NC State and Clemson and USC, but that's a game where I can use one of my freshmen to because we know we're going to kill Tennessee State, we know we're going to kill Central Michigan. So now all of a sudden you can make some of those, you can make some of those changes without knowing that you got more leeway for these kids to play. <coughs> or yeah. say, here's another one, Sean. You can if you if you play four or less games as a position player, you can still redshirt no matter how many games you play on special teams. So if I play Jalen Sneed. And all every game I have is a kickoff, kick return, punt cover guy, mm-hmm. but only plays four games on defense. He redshirts. Right. That's another way to help with depth because now I'm taking some of that pounding away from my veterans who don't necessarily need to be on special teams. They can, but now I've got more bodies to choose from without blowing redshirt seasons for those guys. That's another yeah. one that I would consider doing. Yeah. So, um, and I think, like, Tommy Guns, like, I was seeing what he was saying in the chat, like, my whole thought process, I'm not trying to be complicated. I'm trying to find a way to help the high school. Yes. Incentivize Counting, bringing high yes. school recruits. Taking away a scholarship. Dude, you're not about to deter coaches from going and get a good veteran player. They will give up the extra yes. scholarship in right. a heartbeat. But, so you're still hurting the high school mm-hmm. players. Like, big-time programs, they don't care. They're like the Rams. Uh, what what did the Rams say? They were like, dude, draft picks mean nothing to us. Right. Like, go get the best players. We're trying to win a right. championship. That's Alabama and Georgia. That's not a deterrent to them. Right. They would be like, cool, take the scholarship. Give me that, give me that top running back. Give me that Especially top defensive State school, Sean, that can bring Absolutely. them more. Absolutely. To get to their numbers. Absolutely. So, no, I, I, I'm looking for a system and finding a way to help these freshmen not get left out in the cold. Right. Because these schools are lazy and just want to go poach rosters. Yeah. So I, I think that's where the incentivizing and then de-incentivizing things needs to come into play, Sean, is in yeah. that regard. Here, here's another thought too. Cap them on the number of instead of making the red shirt not be about games, make it be about number of plays. Mm. So if you play less than 150 snaps over the course of a year, yeah. So like if you only bring in a guy to play 10, 12 snaps a game as part of your depth piece, yeah. at the end of the year he has 150 snaps. That's going to be better for that kid than playing 40 snaps against four teams. Yeah. You know that they're, you're blowing out, right? So you could ca- there's a lot of things you could do if they really wanted to get creative to improve your ability to use depth, right? Because again, what should what should this all be? Well, we're trying to reduce the number of plays. Okay, then stop making eligibility be built on play games. Have it be built on plays. So there's all types of things that they could do to to have. Do this. you believe in restrictions? Now, 
there used to be, I don't know if this still exists in college basketball, but certain coaches had the power to tell you the schools that you could not transfer to. Like, you want to transfer? That's yeah. fine. But you're not transferring within the SEC. Yeah, I don't like that. You transfer outside the conference, inside the conference. You know, because for me, I'm like, okay, cool. Well, it didn't really make a difference. I Look, I just don't understand. These are kids. Look. <laughs> you don't. You just won a national championship with Georgia. You want to go to Alabama? That's where you want to go? Sure. Sure. It's like, all right. Yeah. I, I understand where you're going with that one, Sean. I've never liked the fact that coaches could control where a kid went. I, I I think that here's the thing I would say. I would have more support for your restrictions now than I would have before. Mm-hmm. So say, look, one-time open transfer portal. But if you transfer within your own conference, you have to sit out a year. I would be more supportive of that now than I was before. When coaches could say you can't transfer in your conference, I hated it. I hated it. Hated it, hated it, hated it. I'm a believer in having guys sit out a year for transfer for a host of reasons. I've already stated those before in the past. We'll need to rehash those again. I don't think there should be a one-time transfer portal rule. That's just blanket. I think there should be legitimate exceptions where consistency is applied if you can show proof that what you're cl- the hardship you're claiming is there. I've also said put – Put make your make your NLI national letter of intent more of a true contract. Mm-hmm. Meaning, if we promised you playing time, the number one jersey, a certain dorm, more than know, a one year contract. No, no so, a, 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 a full contract. Meaning, like you're you're making it a four year contract. Yeah, because more most of the time is literally a one year contract. Right. That's a lot less now with SEC still that way, but like a lot of other leagues have adopted more of a four-year contract, but the four-year contract, but you can still force a kid out if you want. Let's be real about that. Exactly. So you make it to where there's during your recruitment, you've made me X promises, Mm -hmm. right? And if you're going to promise me 13 mil on NIL, you better be willing to put it in the contract. And if you're not willing to put it in the contract, then it's not real. Right. You know, you promised me the number one Jersey. You promised me a starting position. You promised me, you know, I'd get to live in this dorm. You promised me I'd have to take, I wouldn't have to take this class or whatever. What anything a coach is want to promise you, if he's not want to put that into your contract, then he's not promising it to you. Yeah. Right. So put that into contract. And if the school does not live up to its end of the bargain, then you get automatically exempt. Bam. You can transfer one time at the end of the season. Right. You promised me I was going to start as a freshman. You didn't live up to, hey, you weren't very good. That wasn't part of the conversation. You said I was going to start as a freshman, yeah. right? The other schools said, if I'm good enough, I'll start. I picked you because you said I would start or I would play. Me not being good enough, no, but that's not what we agreed to. As long as, Then you should have put that in the contract, as long as I'm good enough. You promised me the number one jersey. Well, our team captain decided he wanted to have it. Don't care. You promised me the number one jersey, <laughs> right? Right. You didn't live up to that. I'm out. Right, right. I mean, that's that's what I'm saying. Like you can say that's petty, but like, look, how about you make the schools live up to their to the things that they're selling these kids of why they're going to get to go there, you know? And so, and if you don't live up to your contract, then you don't you get to leave. But as long as the school honors that contract, then you have to honor your contract unless there's a penalty of you have to sit out a year. Now, I also have said if you go to a new school and you and you and you remain in good academic standing and you are on pace to graduate with a certain period of time, you get that eligibility, year of eligibility back. 
So you may have to sit out a year, but it doesn't cost you a season of eligibility. Right? Because right now, if like you redshirt as a freshman and then transfer and have to sit out a year, you've now lost two years of eligibility. Yeah. Whereas now, if I redshirt as a freshman, don't play, and then transfer and have to sit out in the next year, I still have four years left to play after that as long as I graduate within a certain amount of time. Right? I can see that. Because then you're incentivizing kids to, hey, keep going to class, do what you need to do. You're not going to lose your value. See, because now you're getting all the positives of what the sit-out-of-year rule is for. There's a lot of good that comes from forcing kids to really think about, do you really want to do this? Because you can't play football next year. Right. You, you know this. Right. But yes, I, I, I know that. But I really didn't need to do. I really do need to get closer home. I really have a, a parent that's sick or a, or a, situ- my, a parent going through a job loss or or I don't like it here. I, I thought I would. Whatever. Whatever the reason, you better really make sure you're serious about this because you can't play football next year like on, on games. And, you know, I. That's what I would do. You can't do these BS things that somebody's got, oh, just make up some story about somebody said something mean to me one time, and I'm using that as my reason that I'm – that's really why I'm transferring, when we all know that's bullcrap. Yeah. Right? So, yeah, I, I would say make it like that. And, and so if you're wanting to do all those kind of things, Sean, then, you know, then we could we could find a happy medium here. Then Because what we're doing now is just stupid. And what they were doing before was just stupid. You know, inconsistent application of transfer rules and, and or uh, like you had that kid from the transfer NC State. He had a legitimate like parental situation that was really hurting his family. The Luke Ford thing to Illinois. Yeah, that was nonsense that the NCAA didn't let that kid play right away. Yeah, there's just an but you're going to let Justin Fields play right away. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just the inconsistent. App. Why, why could uh, like Elohi Gilman? Elohi Gilman had a great reason to transfer, you know, and and and. They didn't honor it. That was nonsense. Absolute nonsense. They should have allowed him to play. But then there's times like, dude, you're just moving because you're buried in the depth chart? Like, no. Yeah. It's like you and I were talking about this with Notre Dame. I remember all the guys in Notre Dame had it running back in, in like 1990 and all that. Mm-hmm. And then this guy moved over here. This guy moved over there. This guy waited his turn. That doesn't happen now. Jeff Burris doesn't move to cornerback or defensive no. back. No. Right? Guys like that transfer now. Now, they still have transfers. Dorsey Levin's transferred. But Reggie Brooks, the minute they told, tell Reggie Brooks to transfer in modern time, maybe he's like, forget that, I'm going to Oklahoma State. Yep. Right? And that's unfortunate. That's unfortunate. That didn't help him. You know, it wouldn't help Jeff Burris to leave because he wanted to play running back and they didn't give him a chance to play running back, right? I'm just using him as an example because you had him on your show late, uh, recently. So that's kind of where I'm, where I'm at at that, with that one. And you know what? But in the spirit of that, most football players that I know just want to play. So as much as he was like the fifth guy on the running back death chart, Lou Holtz was like, yo, I need you to play defensive back. You're going to play next week against Tennessee. Okay. You and I both know younger kids nowadays aren't being raised to be that way. No. If things aren't going your way, you're out. You know? He was just happy. Him and Willie Clark were just happy. To be on the field. Like, we get to play as true freshmen? All right. All right. Let's get to some last few questions here. We're going from Stephen Doty. Would love to hear about Billy Strauss' agility and feet for moving in space. You want to take first crack at that, Mr. Davis? You know what? Billy was injured during the fall. Spring. 
That was during the spring when we, yeah. yeah. So we didn't get a chance to see him. And then during the fall, we only got what two or three practices to really right. view them. So, you know, for me, you know, there were a couple of guys I do. I was amazed by Ty Chance just flat out size as a human being. He's, he's just a massive dude. Yeah. Um, Carmody is another massive guy. And I was amazed by the strength of Mill Wagner. Billy Shrouf, you know, coming back off injury. I can't really speak to it, Brian, because I really didn't see too much of him. So I don't want to overstate what I didn't see, try to make it seem like, oh, yeah, he's in. I didn't, man, I really didn't see too much of him because other guys caught my attention when I happened to be watching a few times we're in practice in the fall. Maybe you have more uh, insight. Well, I mean, just looking at what we saw from him in high school, I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's just as long as he keeps progressing, certainly the athleticism was there. Uh, yeah. I mean, he's a guy that was explosive off the ball, Sean. Uh, I'm actually going to pull up some of his highlights while we're talking here, so we can we can kind of get a refresher course on on uh, on what he was in high school. But I mean, look, he was a really talented player in high school, and yeah. a, and 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 a reason that we liked him is part of it. Stephen was that he was big and physical, but the other part of it, he was he could really move. I mean, one of the things that I always said about Billy's, I actually thought he had the the foot quickness and length to play in space as a tackle. I just thought his demeanor was more guard oriented. And now he doesn't have great length. He's more like in the Nick Mar- Zach Martin type of tackle length, right? But athletically, I think he moves very well. And there's another defensive clip here later. This isn't the one, but there's another defensive clip here later. We just see him explode off the ball, and you see that foot quickness. But, yeah, I think he's definitely a guy to me. Look, athleticism is not is exactly what you love, Billy Shroud. Like you said, Sean, he's a big physical dude, but he also moves extremely well. And yeah. He's got good change of direction. He's got good balance, good feet, good hips. I mean, he was uh, he was a guy that I graded. I think this is the clip on defense. This is just from one high school game. Look at that quickness off the ball. I mean, he's he. I think he could absolutely be a guy that can move in space. I think he'd be a great pin and pull guy in those type of looks we talked about. I think he's got a guy a chance to be a very effective guy getting onto the second level. Uh, and I see so like look like right here. He's not moving fast, but look how easily he moves right there. Right, like he's not moving fast, but just. You can just tell he's kind of a nimble guy, you know, kind of an athletic guy, kind of smooth, just like light on his feet. You know, uh, he does a lot of things like that where you're just like, boy, this guy's a pretty explosive athlete. So I think Billy Shroud is definitely a guy that athletically uh, you're going to like what you see from him. As long as, again, the, the weight gains aren't like, oh, I love that play right there. Just gets under that guy's pads and just <laughs> buries him. But I think athletically, he's got all the tools you want to be an, an elite guard. Size, yeah. strength, athleticism, yeah. all of it. I, I yeah. think he's I think he's outstanding. I mean, again, he was a he was a a top hundred graded kid for me that had five star upside. Uh, I think he was the number. I think he was my number two offensive signee in that mm-hmm. class. Sean, I'm going to pull it up right now. I believe he was just behind Tobias. I think Tobias is the only guy. Uh, that I had ranked ahead of him on the defensive or on the offensive side of the ball last year. I'm just going to pull this up here real quick. So I had wow. Tobias number one, and then I had Billy Stroud number two. Yeah, ahead of Jadarian Price, who was number three, and ahead of Eli Redden, who was number four. So that tells you how much I thought of him. Top 100 guy, four, five star upside. So yeah. yeah, a lot of that was about the athletics. And we kind of talked about that early when we were talking about Joe Rudolph. You know, just yeah. to answer that question, to add on to it, we talked about having a combination of him and Andrew Christophe at the guards and what they can do. Mm-hmm. 
to get those guys outside, pull, get them moving along the offensive line because they are athletic. So it's a good question. Yeah, I, I think fans are going to like Billy Shrouth a lot. A lot. They're going to love that kid. And it's and a lot of stuff we heard about him, and, and I'm not saying he's going to be as good. They're different players. Quentin was thrown at 40 pounds. But a lot of stuff you hear about him, powerful hands, mm-hmm. explosive off the ball, nasty, mean. Who Same was that exact stuff we heard about, about him? Who was that? Was that Howard, Howard Cross that talked about yeah. Billy Shrouth and bowl yeah. prep? Yeah. 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 And I'm not yeah. even talking about that. I'm talking about what coaches and other players say, like behind the scenes about him. Yeah. Yeah. Is a lot of the same stuff we heard coming out of 2014 about Quentin Nelson. Again, there, mm-hmm. there's different players. I mean, Quentin's Quentin. He's unique. He's a, he's right. a unicorn. Right. But you hear a lot of the same a- talent and, and attributes and demeanor things that you heard about Quentin. And uh, that's a good thing. It's yeah. definitely good. Thing. Really good thing. Stephen Doty also asks, Sean, he goes, uh, Tobias Merriweather at X and who at Z? As much as I like Tobias Merriweather's potential, it seems that Z will be essentially uh, be essential to open up the middle of the field. Expect that increasing uh, tailback wheel, flare, et cetera, will help. So just so we're on the same page on uh, on the positions, the X is the field outside guy, the Z is the slot, and the W is the boundary. I view Tobias as someone who can play X or W. I prefer him at X. I want him to the field. And to your point, um, I think that I want a guy that's going to open up the middle of the field at tight end and Z to be doing it more so of stuff that is causing guys to close on them. So for me, I'm going to run four verts. I love four verts. I love stuff out of four verts. I like running four verts. Uh, so, or I, run, I love running vertical concepts where like my number two or number three guy may break off at 15 on an out or an under something like that as a, as a wrinkle to my four verts. I'm also someone who, who likes having the, the, the post snap side adjusts on four verts. If a guy bails, you know, you get to 15, you break it off on a stop or a comeback or whatever, depending on, you know, however you want to teach it, teams do it differently. But, you know, those are things I'll do. But I'm a, I'm a ins, outs, overs, crossers, options type of guy with my inside guys. And with the goal being, I want to get the safeties locked in on them and thinking I got to step down. Mm-hmm. And then I'm taking the top off with my outside Yeah, is where I'm at. So, you know, like, so for me, you talk about a t- t- tailback wheel if I were going to do something like that to the field or out of a trip, Sean, I'm going to have a post with my number one, that'd be the X and I'm going to have my Z running some sort of deep in or some sort of over some sort of option route. And then I'm sending my tailback on a wheel. So I'm taking the coverage here mm-hmm. and then I'm getting my, my tailback on a wheel against a Rover or a linebacker okay. is what we're going to do. So yeah, I like those type of concepts, uh, I also, I'm I'm a fan that I like running the traditional flood concepts with a back instead of, I mean, you can do it out of a trips, but I also like doing it out of backs. So I think that presents a different type of uh, advantage where, you know, where at a trips, your number three inside guy is, is bumped out more. Bumped out a little bit, yeah. Whereas if I'm, in, if I'm in 21 personnel and I got a split backfield out of gun, now that number three guy and the number two guy in some instances are both going to be tucked in more which now gives me some leverage opportunities to the outside with my pass game. So like more, you know, more room, this right. It's just, more it allows me to get yeah. more isolation type of yeah. stuff. Uh, you know, so there, I like mixing it up. I like it out of both, but I, I think those are different things uh, to really building 
those concepts. I think Kansas City does that a yeah. lot. Like they use, they flood with their running backs. Yeah. I, I like but I, I think you have to have a field outside guy that can take the top off the defense to really have the maximum potential. And I think Tobias can be that kind of guy. Now, I also like putting him in the slot at times. I, I'm all about moving guys around. As long as you un, they know the basic, basic principles of what they're doing, there's certainly some ISO looks, hey, in, against this team, we're going we're gonna to get this guy mm-hmm. in the slot because mm-hmm. we think we know the look that we can get this week against him. And and we think that, you know, if we put him in the slot on this particular play that we can get, uh, you know, a, a wrinkle that that we really like. So, I mean, yeah. there's always going to be some of that, but that doesn't matter yeah. where you're playing. I've seen teams do that with their boundary receiver, yeah. you know, where you bring him over in a three-by-one, we have the tight end backside, and now all of a sudden your boundary receiver is your number three, yeah. and you get him in a, in a, in a look that, that allows you to isolate him. That doesn't mean he's, you're doing it all the time with him, but it does mean you're putting him in a situation where – you know, you're, you're able to get, get an ISO with him. So, you know, I mean, you look at this year, for example, uh, Tobias was an X, but where did his one catch come from? Where did his touchdown come from? They put him in the slot. In the slot. You know, and, and – should have had another one against Syracuse in the slot. Yeah, that's right. The ball gets thrown <laughs> a little bit sooner. But you did it out of 12 personnel. Yeah. Which is a it's where, you, you know, you're if you're doing it out of 12 personnel – your your X your W is now going to be the outside guy, and your Z your X becomes the inside guy, right? And that's the look they had it. So there's always types of ways within the structure of your defense that you can get him in that kind of isolation uh, that I like. But the case the the fact of the matter is is you've got to be able to take the top off your defense with your field receivers, especially your outside guy. And and uh, you know I just I think that's essential to me. But you also have to especially the backstory has what was one of the things we complained about last year drew pine bro you just ran verts the entire eight def- eight of the defenders ran vertical uh, back standing over there in his flats with no one 20 yards of him bro <laughs> check it down because it's third and five there's no one near him it's all good you're allowed to do that that's within the rules right oh. go watch Ian book he was captain check down he threw did that all the time you know what i mean like it's okay you to say cuz let me let me crip walk <laughs> I mean, you say, get the ball outside, you know, so oh, it's, it's there. Uh, so, but I also like doing stuff That's where funny. you scheme. I mean, Tyler Buckner's first career touchdown pass is on a little quick running back wheel where you ran the coverage off and got him isolated on a linebacker. Tyler gets moving. That guy comes up, check that sucker over top. So mm-hmm. it's got to, you know, you want to get your backs involved in that stuff, but it's more of a, if they jump the depth, then you've got that check down. Yeah. And I like, I think that's got to be a big part of that's an, an offense that's more efficient. But then also being able to use your backs as route runners, free release route runners is also effective, which we yeah. saw last year as well. Okay. So, yeah, really good, really good question there. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time the roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. 
It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. We have a super chat here from Michael S. Was Harry Heaston a dead? Thank you for the super chat, Michael. Was Harry Heaston a detriment to the coaching staff unity? He seems a power unto his own. Harry Heaston is a power unto his own. <laughs> but I do not view Harry Heaston as a detriment to staff unity, no. 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 I mean, you listen to Al Washington and the things he says about Harry Heaston and how Harry Heaston made him a better coach and how he would go over to Harry Heaston and, and pick his brain. And Harry Heaston was absolutely like, yeah, let's talk. Let's do that. Dela McCullough's talked about <clears throat> that. About how, you know, Sean, you were talking about this the other night, how Heaston could go up to the running backs and speak to them and tell them what to do. And it's like, yeah, okay, yeah. Listen to what Coach Heaston said. Yeah. That's not because Dylan McCall is afraid of nobody, yeah. right? Let, let's be real about that. It's because it's a respect thing, and and that's where it comes from. That's the respect you have for your offensive line coach. You better have an offensive line coach that you respect. If, you, if you're a running backs coach and you don't have an offensive line, line coach that you would allow to speak to your backs, then you need a new offensive line coach. Yeah. So, But, yes, he is a power into his own. He's going to do it his way. There's no question about that. But I don't think that is something that led, leads to necessary staff unity because you knew that coming in. You didn't hire yeah. him thinking he was going to let me come into his room and talk to his guys. No, you you, you hire him because you're going to go let him coach the offensive line. Yeah. But he was also a part of the staff. So I, I don't think that was an issue to me. All right, next question here, Sean, all from Robert Bishop. What is your guys' take on the Jalen Carter news? So, Sean, you want to just update people who may not know that situation right. real quick. Uh, I think reckless driving, and I forget the other misdemeanor charge. Uh, he left the combine yesterday, posted bail last night, $40,000, and stayed at the police office down there in Athens for 18 minutes and was released. Uh, he posted his response on uh, Instagram. I said he, he feels like he'll be fully exonerated of all the charges. Uh, someone died. There's three vehicles involved. It seems from the video that was viewed by the Atlanta Constitutional Journal that they were all racing. Uh, they got to a curve, and unfortunately, um, the one vehicle that ended up crashing couldn't make the curve going at a speed of 104 miles per hour, and uh, individuals passed away. I don't think there's any culpability or any way to blame Jalen Carter for those deaths because people made the decision to he didn't force anyone to drive, right. he, you know, so you can't blame him for the depths, but he's involved in a situation where you question, you know, knowing what's ahead of you. Yeah. At that point in time, you know, uh, I don't think his blood alcohol was above the legal limit. I know the person that was driving the, the damaged vehicle, the injured, uh, uh, the damaged vehicle that crashed, <laughs> Was above the legal limit from an alcohol standpoint, but they're they're finding. Sean, who who was driving that other car? Was it the girl, the the staffer, no, or was it the, the, girl the offensive was, lineman? No, it was the offensive lineman, the one that passed the away, girl, or the one that got yeah, hurt, the one that okay. passed away, the one that passed okay. away. So, um, I think he made impact. I think according to the report, he made impact on the left side. And then made impact on the right side when they spun, and the impact on the right side killed the passenger. But it's unfortunate. Uh, the biggest thing for me, Brian, look, if I'm a GM, I could live with 
speeding. As I can live with speeding. I can't live with um, lying to the police and misleading them. I can't. And that's, that's really the big thing, right? So that's, so, so that's he why fled, I get he off. fled the scene. Yeah, that's why I get off. And lied to the police about his involvement in it. Yes. And that's why these charges came so late. Yeah. Because they just now. They're just now getting to the investigation and the footage mm-hmm. and all that and figuring out who was who. So that that within itself, that speaks to your integrity. Yeah. You know, if he had stayed there and said, look, man, this is what happened. I'm sorry. Take the, the misdemeanors. Take yeah. the misdemeanors. He's probably still going to be drafted in the top 10 if that happened. Now, you know, once you start <laughs> bringing in – the fact that you misled the police officers and lied, that, that's a whole nother can of worms that deals with your integrity. What's the expression, Sean? The cover up is always worse than the lie, right? Yeah. The crime, you know, yeah. and yeah. Um, I mean, the reality is, is, is he started thinking about his future way too late, in my view. Well, no, should, he started, no, he started no, thinking no. about his future when he left. No, no, no. That's what I'm talking about. Scene. No, no. Yeah. Let me finish what, what I'm saying. Yeah. He started thinking about his future too late. Oh, what absolutely. I mean by that is. Yeah, yeah. He started thinking about, oh my God, how it's going to affect my future after yeah. the accident. Yeah. You should have freaking thought about that before you started. Before you street started. Racing. Yes. 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 And so I have serious concerns about his decision making. In uh, so many, I mean, there's so many different things along this lines for him that you just say, boy, this is just a, um, you made a lot of stupid decisions. And, and the whole, he's young. I get all that. I get he's young. He's old enough to know better. I'm sorry. Yeah. Right. Like there's too many times that we absolve young people of things where they're at an age where guys are going into their third tour of duty in in the, you know, in the Eastern front of World War Two at that age. Right. Yeah. And and so uh, horrible decision making, incredible immaturity to the point where you're like, yeah, you got to have a legitimate questions about his character to a degree. Yeah. Having said that this is a little bit of a different situation than maybe some other things where it's an awful situation that shouldn't be minimized. He should not have been, he should not have been street racing. He should not have fled the scene. There's a lot of things that led to that, that you should not have put yourself, but he didn't, he didn't shoot someone. He didn't beat a female. He didn't, you know, he wasn't selling drugs. He wasn't doing a drive by I mean, There's a lot of things you see people like, okay, he didn't beat up a woman in an elevator. Like there's so many Things are like, does he does does should he have some sort of punishment for what he was involved in? Absolutely, because you you fled the scene, and you lied to the cops. There's there's a there's a uh, some circumstances. There's some consequences that need to happen because of this. Should his future be completely defined and ruined because of this? No, but you better show me that you've learned from it. That's my yeah. thing, right? So. Uh- there are some crimes that you can commit at 21. I'm like, bro, you've, you've, you have sacrificed your, your uh, opportunity to be a free citizen in this country, right? Yeah. This is not that. There need to be consequences. He's going to fall in the draft, and I think rightfully so, because I'm not giving that much money to a guy that has this level of terrible decision-making, and now I'm going to give him tens of millions of dollars? No. Right. I'm going to I'm going to feel really nervous about that to a degree. But I also don't think this is something where he should never play in the NFL. More, he should that kind of thing. I don't I don't think it's that either. You're spot on and more than likely. See, this is it's crazy. He's going to end up on a good team. Yeah. 
Instead well, of ending up ending up on a bad team, he's gonna drop and he's gonna drop to the teens and he's gonna end up on a team that was a playoff team on the fringe yeah. of the playoffs, and he's gonna be in a really good position. He's gonna make less money, but it's but gonna hopefully, be a good position. Hopefully that comes with hope exactly. Hopefully that comes with being on a you know, like one of the things that I thought was the biggest benefit to Von Miller's career, because remember, Von Miller got into some stuff early in his career, too. Yeah. Not yeah. like this, but just, you know, he was a guy. Yeah. And I and I and I think Von Miller has said this, and I believe that that the arrival of Demarcus Ware is what set Von Miller on a Hall of Fame caliber path. Because I don't think Von Miller had the maturity to be what he became prior to Demarcus Ware saying, Hey man, you got all the God, all the gifts in the world. But let me help you grow up, not just as a football player, but as a man. And and um, let me tell you something. Yeah, I had a moment of gratefulness when I heard this young man's story, because I'm not, I can't get on a soapbox and preach to this young man. I Who, remember you talking, being, about Jaylen, talking about Jalen Carter. Yeah, I remember okay. being 19 and coming home, and my dad went out of town, and I pulled his Corvette out, and I definitely hit 100. On the expressway. So I was like, yo, it's nothing but the grace of God that nothing happened to me and I didn't impact somebody else's life doing something pretty stupid mm-hmm. at 19 years old, right? And uh, this is a crazy thing. I was fine driving 100. It was a straightaway. I was fine. It wasn't until I hit the brakes and the car reacted the way it reacted that I was like, whoa. Yeah, that that wait a minute. That was because the hundred was so smooth, yeah, and easy that it was just like, oh man. And then when I hit the brakes and things started, I was like, wait a minute, okay, I'm I'm never doing this again. Like this is the dumbest thing I could have ever done. And I had a brand new Ford Mustang in college, so yeah, I've hit those speeds before. But here here's the one thing, the thing I'll say though, real quick, Sean, this isn't the first time this has happened with him. There's reports out today. He it's well, several months ago he got pulled over going 89 and a 45. See, that see that that's now you're talking about a trend that has been that's set. my issue. That's so my that, issue. No, right. I don't do we've had we've had Chicago Bears players like with issues with speeding on the expressways here, pulling right. our cars over, leaving them on the side of the road, man, intoxicate all it's right. look, that's that's a problem. With professional football players, more than people know. What's the key? That's why my concern is for Jalen Carter. Yeah. Because and that's why I brought the point, Sean. Of now you're gonna hand him tens of millions of dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's my con that's where if I'm a GM, I'm having major reservations because this isn't a one-time thing. So it took someone to die before you realize, gee, this was stupid. Yeah. Right. Well, that's Ruggs, right? Henry Ruggs that killed somebody, right? Out in Vegas. Right. But that'll never happen to me is the right. reaction the kids will have. Right. Right. And, and those are just, I mean, look, man, you don't understand when you're investing you tens are. of millions of dollars into people, things like yeah. this have to be taken into account. And, yeah. and it was all unavoidable with better decision-making. And that's my whole thing is we don't have enough of, we're not holding young people to a, a, enough accountability. Now we're just like, Oh, they're just college kids. I'm so sick of the We're just college kids thing. It's like, Sean, you made a point. Well, like, Hey, I did this when I was younger. And that's why as a parent, you have that talk with your daughter to make yeah. sure she doesn't do mm-hmm. the same. Hey, learn from my mistake. Yeah. Well, you did that when you were 18. Yeah. 
Exactly. And I'm very lucky to be here. Don't learn from my mistake. And what we're, I feel like we're doing too much of. Hey, I learned, people. I learned from my own mistake. Right. Like I did, I do. I'm like, no, I'm not doing that again. Right. And after getting pulled over for 89, he should have. Look, yeah. this maturity, understanding the big picture, understanding like I am months away from being a millionaire and getting everything that I work for. And I'm what? I'm about to risk that for this? Right. right. I'm about to risk all of that for this because temporary of- moment of exhilaration. It's crazy. Like, does he get into that race thinking, hey, someone could die here? I, I promise you that didn't th- cross his mind. But that's that's part of the problem. Is too many young people think they're invincible and they can just kind of do whatever and it's just whatever happened to so-and-so is not going to happen to them. And, and and my whole point is, is, is if there were greater consequences for our decisions, then people might think twice. It might be enough to think twice before you do these kind of things. And that, was, that's my thing. I was shocked there was only a misdemeanor. Right. At that speed, I'm like, man. Right. <laughs> right. All right. Timeout Tom asks, as I'd like to see Notre Dame take advantage of Coach Mason's genius and return some kicks a yard or two in the end zone. Do you agree? <sighs> it depends for me, Sean. There's yeah, some teams special. I'm not running out of the end zone against. I don't care mm-hmm. who I have. Because it's all about – this is where analytics to me can come in helpful, right? Mm-hmm. Like – it's all about I want to start my drives as as far down the field as I possibly can. And against some teams, I don't think they're a good kick return team, and I'm willing to maybe get pinned at the 18 once because I think the next one we can break for six, right? Against other teams, I'm going to be like, nah, they're too good. They 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 get down there too fast. It just it's just it's too risky because we may get pinned at the 12. Right. And they've got a good defense. So it part of it to me, timeout, Tom, it depends on who you're playing. The strategy, hey, their defense isn't very good. So I'm willing to risk Sean getting pinned at the 15. Right. Like against some teams, their defense stinks. We're going to rip them up. So I'll take that chance. Uh, Against other teams, their kick coverage and their defense is too good for us to start being pinned Deep at the, the 12 territory, yeah. and then we get stopped and now we're punting out of our end, own end zone and they're getting a ball at midfield. There's like just potential of just no, 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 no. Let's start at the 25 and, and be ready to roll uh, against other teams with maybe a weaker defense or, you know, your offense outmatches them big time. So you're, you're okay. Maybe putting your off defense in a bad spot a couple times because you know that they should dominate this matchup or your offense is, is way better than their defense where, Hey, let's take a chance on it. Right. It just depends on the game and the matchup, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I think I would like to see them be more aggressive with kick returns. Mm-hmm. A yard or two is the end of where I would go with that. But the other thing too is is, is I'm telling my kick returner, I would have him I would have him count. Like if a guy kicks the ball and it gets to you in a hurry, okay, take that one. See where the defense is before you return it. Take a peek. If it gets to you in, in a hurry, return it. Yeah. If that sucker hangs up there more than a, you know, one, 1,000, two, 1,000, okay. I'm, I'm, we're, we're, you know, we're not returning that one, but that's the other, that's the other part of it too. That's just where the reps come into play. You know, you, you know, when a ball gets to you faster than normal and you, you, you know that they're not going to be down as far, take that chance. You also know where I may be catching it at the two, but this guy hung that sucker up. So I'm, I'm fair catching it. Yeah. 
right? We're starting at 25. So there's strategy involved in that, just like everything else, in my opinion. Uh, Brokeneck Boy said, if Notre Dame lost to Tennessee State, would it be a bigger upset than App State over Michigan? Way bigger. Because App State was a much better team than Tennessee State is. Much better. I mean, App State back then, Sean, was one of the premier football teams in, in Division One AA. I mean, mm-hmm. they were... They were a tremendous team yeah, and had won three straight national championships or two straight national championships coming into that matchup against Michigan because that was 07, right? Yeah. They'd won the previous two national titles and then won another one that year. Tennessee State had a losing record last year. So, yes, that would be a much bigger upset than App State over Michigan. Way bigger. Way bigger. You agree, Sean? I agree. Yeah. Won't happen, but. No, no. Next question is from, uh, let's see here, last one. We're going to get to this last one from Mark Brown. Mark asks, how about setting an – this is referring to the transfer and the rosters and scholarships, right? Mm -hmm. How about setting overall percentage plus yearly and two-year limits with the exceptions for new coaches and a one-on-one trade-off for each transfer out of the program? I think my concern about that is you start getting coaches into running players off in order to open up spots. Spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 But overall percentage, Sean, that's kind of the point you made earlier. Right. Yeah. I you, mean, if you have, I, I have if you up it to it. 90, if you up to the 90 and just said only five of the scholarships could be for transfers, whatever percentage that is, 85 or 90, unless you have an exemption as a first year coach to build your roster, you know, that. In my opinion, that would benefit high school recruiting, high school recruits. But coaches will find some type of, like you said, the walk-on. They right. will find some way to get guys on their yeah. roster. At we gave some kid a scholarship, walk-on a scholarship last year. Yeah, We, we make him leave, and now yeah. we can dig in a transfer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the only way to – this is my opinion, and, and, I, and this, I'm sure there's other good proposals, just for me. I think setting a hard two-year cap is the way to go. And then creating penalties for people that go beyond that. Yeah. Is what I would do. Yeah. You know, so like, hey, you sign a you bring in more trans than you're supposed to. Okay. That's fine. We're not going to punish the kids, say you're not eligible or whatever, but you're 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 you 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 can't bring in a transfer for three years, or that kid's automatically ineligible. You that you're that'll be ineligible. You know, things like that. I just I think the one the one reason that you don't see tampering in professional sports is not a lack of desire. It's the consequences are too great. Yeah. That's why they don't do it. Yeah. You're not you're not willing to give up a first round draft pick, draft pick. and and you're not allowed to that and you can't sign that guy now. Yeah. Like that guy can't play for right. me now. I tampered. He can't sign with me. So like the, the Miami Dolphins, Dolphins would have gladly t- given up a first round draft pick if it meant they could get Tom Brady and go win Super Bowl. But yep. then once that launched, you, you can't now you can't sign Tom Brady. Nope. And you lose a first round draft pick. Mm-hmm. So to me, there need to be strong financial, like so well, you know, punish the I'm not gonna punish the players, right? Like if a kid comes and that's he, I'm not making him ineligible, but what I am gonna do is I'm gonna fine you, financially fine you, and remove your ability to com- compete in the transfer market, which is exactly what they do in major league baseball. If you break the international – I don't know if this is still true because I haven't followed baseball in four or five years, but when I was following baseball and, and fantasy baseball leagues and stuff, that's what the rule was. You could only spend a certain amount and do certain things, 
And then if you went over that, you couldn't do it the next year. But if you got caught tampering in the international market, they would literally remove you for like years from being yeah. able to, to go into the international market. And that's what I think they need to do with transfers. If you get caught tampering in the transfer yeah. market, like, like we all know happened last year with, with certain <laughs> players, right? then that's cool. We're going to find you a million dollars and you lose access to the transfer portal for five years. Wow. Yeah, that's that's a nice little tap on the wrist. Right. Yeah. That's a that's a you're at grandma's house and she bends you over the knee and hits out gets out the wooden paddle and that's what that is. Like and <laughs> you know, tans your backside. That's what that yeah. is, right? Um, so yeah, yeah, that's uh but but that's the only way you're gonna you're gonna get them to stop breaking these rules is to say, we're just going to completely remove this as an option for you to recruit players. Yeah. Well, but this kid wants to transfer. Don't care. He can't right. come play for you. And now when you're, when a school is put on that transfer probation, kids can't, kids aren't going to look at you because they're ineligible. Yeah. You signed 12 transfers next year. That's fine. They can't play. Right. <laughs> you know? So why would a kid do that? So why would he do that? Right. So that's, that's, you have to create some sort of disincentive. People can say this all they want. This like negative incentives to me work in situations like this, right? Like it used to be where all the, all the, like for what, what cheating used to be, it's the players were really the only ones punished really. Yeah. Put like a three-year show calls in a coach. He goes coaches in the NFL for three years and it comes back. He's fine. You know what I mean? They find the school 10 grand. They're fine. That's parking in one lot at a Notre Dame game. You know what I'm saying? It's it's and then they would, you know, hey, you got to forfeit all the games. That that all those rules, they only hurt this player's ineligible. All those things ever did was hurt players. Yeah. That's it. Like you need to you need to have these rules hurt the schools where it counts. Not only are we gonna not let you hit the transfer portal market, but we're gonna fine you enough to where it stings. It's gonna sting. So, uh, that's what I would do is, is I, and, and I would create very harsh penalties. If you're a booster or a collective and you do this, you have to disassociate with that program. You can't support them anymore. You can't attend games. I mean, you just completely disassociate them from the program for 10 years. You know what I mean? Like that's the only ways you're going to make it happen is if you do things like that, that's it. There's no other way in my opinion to do it. You have to be very very strong in your responses to these things it's the only way to make it work and so this way because the problem is if you do it to where the players are punished you're going to guaranteed you're going to lose in court uh, the way it is right now almost guaranteed to lose in court so you've got to make it to where you're making it so hard on the institutions that okay fine we can't bring the portal we can't get rid of the portal we're afraid we're gonna lose in court that's cool at least protect the integrity of the portal process and, and create penalties for schools that are very harsh to the degree that they'd be stupid to try to break those rules, do that. And things get clear. Now there are teams are always look for ways to cheat, but it's very hard to cheat in that regard in national football league and in professional sports, very hard to cheat. And so, and then when they do it, you get hammered and that's what they're going to have to do if they want to make this work. So uh, somebody said, how about an, an, an eligibility of the playoffs? Here's the reason that I would say no to that. Ryan B. said that. How about ineligibility of the playoffs? Here, here's the problem. That hurts the players. 
So what I would rather say, Ryan, my, my addition to that would be uh, is anything that where you take their away to play in the postseason hurts the players. This team's on a postseason ban. Why? You're just hurting the players that had nothing to do with it. What I say is you can play in the postseason, but you're not making a dime off of it. We will cover your costs like we do for every other bowl team, but you're not getting any revenue beyond covering the cost of playing the bowl game, and you're getting access to zero uh, bowl revenue from your conference. So so that's the thing is like, because the, the question, Sean, was when we're talking about making penalties make them hurt was uh, Brian B said, how about automatic ineligibility to playoffs? And my response went back to, but that's punishing the players again. The guys that had nothing to do with it. So, yeah, you can play in the playoffs, but you're not making any money off of it. Your school is not making any money off of it. We're going to take whatever your cut was, and that's going to get dispersed back to your conference. So if you were going to make $15 million for a bowl game, that money now goes to your competitors. We're not going to punish the conference for you cheating. So you can still play in the bowl game because we're not going to punish the players. And but you're not getting any revenue b- beyond what it, your cost of travel was. That's it. And now we're going to disperse the money you were going to make. Or if your conference made X amount of dollars, they just now divide it up between 15 schools, not 16. That's a lot of disincentive to cheat, in my opinion. And that's the only way it works. But all the all the punishments need to not be p- player related unless the player was the only one doing it. Like if a player's just calling all these schools and all the schools are like, hey, man, we got nothing to do with it. And then somehow the player tries to, you know, he's mad that they don't want him or they won't talk to him. He tries to get somebody in trouble. Okay, now I'm punishing you because you acted a fool. But if a school cheats and a player or a parent responds to it, I'm the only, only punishment I would give the players, if he has not enrolled yet, I would say you can't enroll. Yeah. The kid's already enrolled and we find out later that he cheated. I'm not saying you can't play now. Okay. Cause that now you're hurting him and his teammates. Yeah. And you're hurting his teammates. He cheated. Right. But you're now hurting his teammates by taking him away. So that's fine. You can play, but school, you're getting fined seven figures. You, you lose access to bowl revenue because I think that's – I mean, it also depends on the severity of it, right? Like if it was just like a little minor – you know, we're talking like blatant tampering. Right. And you can't get in the portal for five years or three years or whatever. And I'm not talking about a year with no portal. I'm talking – it's got to be – it's got to sting. It's got to be th- minimum three years. Minimum three years is where it's got to be. So that's that's where I'm at on that, Sean. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. No, um... I remember before I left for a few minutes, you were talking about the five year, and I was like, yo, that's a nice little, nice yeah. little tap on the wrist. Right. You know, sarcastically, but you, there has to be a deterrent, right? Because you have to know whatever you're doing for with the legislation, it has to support the the incoming freshmen and the high school players in this endeavor. And then you have to deter coaches from taking their chances to just poach rosters, which top teams are continually doing. So if you're going to get someone, it has to be strategic. Right. You're saying, okay, for this year, I really need to go find a veteran because of injuries or whatever. Okay, fine. Right. 
go ahead. Jump in the portal. But other than that, this should be about recruiting. And, you know, and it's hard to see the top programs that recruit at the highest level then get the opportunity to go poach, you know, the best players from rosters. It's mm-hmm. The last thing on that too, Sean, is I would say you can take walk-ons, but they can't be from the power five level. Right? Like I'm not counting the the kid that transferred to Notre Dame, the Krim kid that transferred to Notre Dame. I'm not counting that towards the number. He's a walk on from the power from the group of from, from the FBS, FCS level. Right. FCS. That's different. But what you don't right. want to do is some kids like, well, Alabama only costs ten thousand dollars a year for an in-state kid. If I can't, if I just walk on there, I can get I can get grant aids and Scott, you know, you can do all you can because you'll finagle the process for a kid that's from your own state or something like that. Right. Or, hey, this kid will, you know, Kentucky wants transferred to Bama, but Bama went over. So the kid's a one year guy. He's only going to really be there for a semester. And so he gets a, you know, he's going to be a walk on. So his family gets, you know, loans or they get Pell Grant or, you know, whatever possibly will give them an academic scholarship or whatever. And that's their way to skirt the system. You can't be a walk on to another school if you're a power five kid, unless you were a, you were a walk on at that other school. So there's you'd have to really think of all the ways they're going to try to skirt around the process and make sure that you put things in place for that. So anyway, that folks, that's going to do it for this show, because right now at six o'clock, actually, no, there is no there is no actually. Is there a IB Nation sports talk tonight? Let me look at this real quick, Sean. I'm not quite sure about this because I know Sean is on the road getting ready for the uh, the NCAA tournament or the ACC basketball tournament. Yes, he will. He's going live right now. Uh, so Sean Styers is, is live right now. Uh, so you guys need to leave here, hit over there. But before you do, folks, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, hit the notification bell, share this podcast, give us a five-star review if you're listening via podcast app. Sign up for the message boards at boards.irsbreakdown.com. If you want our daily written free content, you sign up for the newsletter, which is you can find in the description box below. And, of course, sign up for the C- or subscribe to the CFB Nation channel on YouTube and our podcast app, where on the podcast you can get all the access to all the uh, podcasts that Lucky Lefty, CFB All-America does, and then on the YouTube channel, you'll get all the CFB All-America and hopefully a couple of things that we're working on right now. So for Sean, I'm Brian. Shockingly, Sean, we went long today. Who who knew? <laughs> who thought that you and I would go long? I'm just floored by this development. But, folks, head on over to Ivy Nation Sports Talk with Sean Styers. That is back here right now on the Irish Breakdown channel. <laughs> Thank you.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.